Hello, Pastor Friend. Thanks for listening to Shepherdology. I'm Dean Taylor, and our topic and special guest today I think will help you in a very practical way. Every trade or profession has its tools. You know, a carpenter uses a saw and a surgeon uses a scalpel. Graphic artist uses design software and so on. You, as a minister of the word, have several instruments that you use to do your work. And one that's very critical is your voice. And you need to take care of your voice and use it correctly and protect it from damage. A strong voice is essential to long-term ministry of the word. Now, you might be familiar with Charles Spurgeon's lectures to my students, and he delivered an entire lecture on the preacher's voice, and there's a whole chapter in lectures to my students on that. And he concludes his lecture by saying, I shall not detain you longer, but express the hope that your chest lungs, windpipe, larynx, and all your vocal organs may last you till you have nothing more to say. Wow, that's a good goal, that your voice will last as long as your ministry. Well, I interviewed someone regarding the issue of keeping your voice strong for long-term ministry, and I think this interview will not only be interesting but also enjoyable and I trust extremely helpful. So let's go now to my interview on keeping your voice strong for long-term ministry. Pastors are public speakers. Your vocation includes a lot of speaking, especially preaching, of course. And as pastors, we naturally focus on the content of what we are speaking about. Some pastors are effective communicators or become effective communicators But I think that a lot of us neglect or even misuse one thing that is vital to our preaching, and that is our voice. And I tell my homiletic students, you are public speakers, and you need to develop your voice, use it correctly, and make sure that you don't damage it. And as a friend to you here on Shepherdology, I want to help you as a pastor think about your voice And I have a guest with me today who is a professional in the area of speech and communication. Elena Kimbrough is a speech-language pathologist. Her master's degree is in communication sciences and disorders. And Elena's work right now is focused on helping children with speech and communication problems. But her education and experience include really the full range of ages and she has a special interest in helping public speakers like teachers and even pastors use their voice correctly and protect it from damage. One more little detail, Elena is my daughter, so I'm especially happy to introduce her to you as our special guest here on Shepherdology. She and her husband, Ethan, and their 10-month-old boy, Foster, live in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and we are enjoying a weekend visit. So, Elena, welcome to Shepherdology. I'm happy for my pastor friends to get to meet you and tell us a little bit about your work and also why you want to help pastors with their speaking voice. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be here with you and um, share a little bit about what I do and how it relates to pastors and their ministry. So like my dad said, I'm a speech language pathologist or an SLP, and I have been in the field for... Um, about four years. I've had my um, certification for the last year, and I'm working with 
children right now in a pediatric private clinic. And I work with a range of kids, um, really from, I think my youngest kiddo is almost two years old, and my oldest one is in third grade right now. And in speech-language pathology, there are, um, or it is a very broad field, so I work in pediatric outpatient, and um, some SLPs work with people with voice disorders, so damage to their vocal folds. Um, We also work on things like swallowing. Um, And then a lot of people kind of know SLPs for working on articulation, so things like you know, a lot of people will say, oh, I had speech when I was little, you know, they couldn't say their R's or their S's. So we work on things like that. And then also language development. So, you know, children who might have autism or might just have a language delay, we um, support them as they learn how to communicate effectively. So I am very passionate about helping and supporting people communicate effectively and finding their voice. And as a believer, too, obviously, um, I'm passionate about people being able to um, share the gospel and do their work in the ministry effectively, too. And as growing up as a pastor's daughter, you know, I was under your preaching and I really enjoyed that and always appreciated how effectively you communicate. And I know that every um, pastor or teacher even has a different kind of style of communicating. And um, I just have felt like very appreciative of the different seasons of my life or even different messages in college, hearing people um, communicate in different ways. But I know that sometimes it's easy to not maybe focus on yourself when you're in ministry because it's very, um, you know, you are being a servant leader and I have seen a lot of um, pastors maybe so focused on serving and their ministry that their health might take a little bit of a backseat for their priorities. And, um, you know, our overall health really affects our vocal health, too. And so I think it's a thing that a lot of people don't really know a lot about. Even when I was in college and grad school, just learning about the way the voice works and how we can take care of it was very eye-opening to me. And so it's exciting to talk to people and share things that they've never heard before and just realize, oh, those are really easy things I can implement um, in order to kind of protect this tool that God has given me. And, you know, people in different professions have their professional tool, right? So like a guitarist, a professional guitarist would have their guitar and care for it and you know, make sure it's in good condition and, up, you know, change out the strings when they need to. And as pastors, your tool that you're using for your ministry is your voice. So today we can talk about how you can take care of that. All right, you've got our attention and uh, we need to take care of these vocal instruments that we use so much. Are there some habits that we fall into that especially a younger pastor could avoid early on in his ministry? Kind of like I mentioned before, a lot of it has to do with your overall physical health. And I think it's easy to fall into bad habits of that early on. And so, you know, things like uh, overuse of your voice without hydrating, things like that, or even, and we'll talk about this later, but um, using your voice in a way that is straining it and causes those vocal folds to 
bang against each other and damage them. Um, you know, as pastors, I'm sure um, you sometimes find yourself in a situation where you have to project and speak loudly to a large group of people. And um, it's probably easy to fall into habits of maybe doing that in a way that's straining and, you know, not a way that's protecting your vocal folds. All right. You're starting to get into some of the, um, the technicalities of, of speaking. And I know you've studied the mechanics and all the different uh, the anatomy of that's involved in speaking. So talk to us about that. Teach us a little bit. What are the mechanics of speaking and what do we need to know that will help us speak properly and, and do it for a lifetime of preaching ministry? So this is a really fun thing for me to share. And I was asking my dad, you know, how much, what, how in depth should I go here? And he said I could nerd out. So, <laughs> um, but there are really four main areas of vocal production. They are respiration, phonation, resonance, and articulation. So I'll kind of go through each one and what parts of your body are working to those steps. So as I go through these, um, We'll maybe revisit later when we're talking about more practical ways you can protect your voice. Um, We'll kind of revisit each of these areas. So keep these in mind as we move forward. Um, The first one is respiration. And some of you guys might be familiar with this, especially if in high school or college you were in um, choir or, you know, any even like a basic speech class. I think a lot of people are a little bit aware of this, but Vocal production really starts with your diaphragm, which is a muscle right underneath your lungs. And if you were in choir in high school, they would probably always talk about having good posture so that that diaphragm isn't, you know, crunched over. Because what happens is as you inhale, your lungs are filling up with air and the diaphragm is underneath there kind of helping them fill up with air and then helping the air be pushed up which is the powerhouse of your voice. So it all starts with your breath, which is really important for kind of what we're going to talk about later. So your lungs um, fill with air. And then from that, that air, when you exhale and you start talking, the air goes up into your throat. So the diaphragm in the lungs is where the respiration piece happens. And that is the energy behind our speech. So if you think about it, when you're breathing throughout the day, you don't really have to think about it very much. It's very passive. But a speaking or singing respiration is more active, or it it should be maybe for a while, and then once it becomes a habit, it can become more passive. So we get that air in our lungs, which is the energy behind our speech, and then the next step is the phonation or voicing. So our vocal folds are muscle tissue above the trachea, and the air from our lungs comes up and it actually forces those vocal folds open, and then the air and the subglottic pressure and just how all that air interacts with the openings makes our vocal folds vibrate. So, you know, when you think about it like that, it's these two muscles kind of banging against each other or making contact, and that's where our voice comes from. And maybe that will kind of start helping you to understand why it's so important that those are making contact with each other in a healthy way. Um, Once the sound is created from our vocal folds, then the voice flows up through the different cavities, and that's where the resonance piece comes in. So it comes up through the throat, and then those sound waves interact in our 
oral cavity and our nasal cavity. So everybody has a different sound of voice, right? So, you know, somebody's nose might be bigger or the way that their skull is shaped, you know, all just little details of how your mouth hole (laughs) is shaped (laughs) is going to change the resonance of your voice. And then the next step is articulation. And this is actually what most people think of, you know, SLPs that we work with that articulation. And that basically is just the way that um, our different parts of our mouth touch each other and the sounds that we make. So our tongue, lips, teeth, cheeks, and palate. And so the sound is in our mouth and then our mouth parts touch each other and, you know, out come the sounds in the words. So that's kind of the um, scientific way that the voice happens. <laughs> all right. We didn't know that all of those parts were essential in um, speaking and preaching the word, did we, guys? That's that's so helpful to understand that. And, Elena, what I want to ask now is based on all of those parts and the mechanics of speaking, is there anything that we should keep in mind as we preach, as we speak to a large group in a big space that will help us do it effectively, but also to protect and maintain our voices, again, for a lifetime of of that kind of, of speaking activity? I feel like each area has something really specific that, um, very specific and very practical that can be done. So let's think about the first step, respiration. So like I was saying, you know, the muscle of the diaphragm and the filling up of our lungs, that's where it all starts. And so if you try to speak loudly, but you only have a little bit of air in your lungs, you're not going to have the support and energy you need in order for your vocal folds to vibrate and make contact like they need to. And so then you will probably start straining, right? So you might even you know, when you see people screaming or whatever, it's like you can even see it in their neck, right? Everything gets so tense and you're trying to like push it out almost, right? Um, So if we think about that, you know, just having good breath support. So things like good posture, you know, sitting up straight or standing up straight in a way that helps your diaphragm, you know, be placed where it needs to be. Um, Another thing too is really thinking about breath support and there are some kind of little practical exercises you could do which we can touch on later too once we get more down to practical um, homework or little steps you can do but really just thinking about your lungs filling up with air and you know if you were to put your hand like just while you're thinking about it maybe before speaking or something putting your hand on your stomach. And um, when you inhale, you should feel your stomach go out and your lungs, you know, kind of expanding and just filling up with air and then letting that be that powerhouse of the voice. So that's really where it starts. And then as far as the phonation goes to, I didn't really get into too much of the vocal folds just because I didn't want to bore any of your listeners. But, you know, so let's think about these two areas of muscle tissue of the vocal folds. So I don't know if you ever made like a rubber band Kleenex box guitar when you were little, um, but for the higher notes, you you used like skinny, tighter rubber bands, right? And that would make a higher sound. And then the thicker, looser rubber bands make the lower sound. And that's exactly how your vocal folds work. Almost exactly, like a little more complex, but... Um, 
So when you start going up a little higher, your vocal folds are stretching out longer and getting thinner. When you are speaking lower, they look shorter and like a little fatter. So I think an area there, you know, thinking about pastors would be really knowing your range and making sure that you aren't um, aren't straining the vocal folds. Again, a lot of it just comes back to that straining and that tension of the vocal folds. Um, or maybe you also are involved in some part of the music ministry at your church too, you know, just even as you sing, thinking about the way those vocal folds move and stretch when you sing and just um, thinking about making sure there's not tension there. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and then the area of resonance, I, as far as I know, there's not really much you can change there, you know, um, the resonance, but with articulation, a lot of that is you know, moving on from the, your, um, what did you call it? Your tool, your vocal, your vocal instrument, maybe. Yes. Thank you. Your vocal instrument. Yes. I love that. So, you know, your vocal instrument would be like your vocal folds. And then with the articulation, I think a lot of that is, um, another way you can communicate effectively, because if you get up and start mumbling and you're not really moving your articulators, like, well, you know, that's going to be hard to listen to or to even process and understand. And so just learning to speak clearly, you know, um, maybe if there are, well, I'm, I won't, I was going to say if you need to get speech. <laughs> um, yeah, speech lessons. Um, <clears throat> so I guess the main thing would be the vocal folds. All right, that's very helpful, and I want to uh, move to another facet of this that, Elena, I know you uh, have emphasized to me and I think is good for my friends to hear. Um, you're very big on hydration. You've, I think you've mentioned that already, and I want to also um, give a little quotation here from Charles Spurgeon about what he does to help his voice stay strong as far as something that he he drinks while he speaks or before he speaks. So Charles Spurgeon said, I always had a little glass of chili vinegar and water just in front of me, a draught of which appeared to give a fresh force to the throat whenever it grew weary and the voice appeared likely to break down. And Spurgeon also said if he was feeling weak, he drank beef tea with the hottest pepper he could stand. So Elena, talk to us about hydration um, we're drinking uh, lemon tea flavored with honey from my beehives right now, so that kind of soothes my throat a little bit. So talk to us about hydration and anything else that you recommend that we drink when our throats are sore or weak. Yes, nothing makes my daughter heart happier than seeing you drink tea and just care for your vocal folds. Um, that has made me very proud on this visit. So um, I thought that quote by Charles Spurgeon was so funny. And to be honest, I know a lot about hydration. I had to look into the apple cider vinegar and the cayenne or the pepper. I thought that was really interesting. So I had to do a little digging if I'm honest. And um, so apple cider vinegar is known for being like an antibacterial. And so if you have like a type of infection in your throat or something, it might help with that. Maybe Charles Spurgeon had another secret about it, you know, that worked for him. 
Um, but I know with like spices and cayenne too, those are, well, they supposedly help with inflammation. And from what I could find, there isn't a ton of definitive evidence to back these things up. But if you find that it works for you, I'm all about it. So especially, you know, when you're, when you um, can feel a cold coming on or you have a sore throat, you know, when you go to the doctor and they look down your throat and say, whoa, it's so, you know, it's red and you can just tell it's really, um, what's the word? Uh, inflamed? Yes, thank you. <laughs> when it's really inflamed and, um, you know, that is the number one time that you need to be just babying your vocal folds because, when you have uh, upper respiratory infection, laryngitis, even just that sore throat, you know, when your vocal folds are inflamed or swollen, that makes you in a position to be much more susceptible to vocal fold damage. So maybe something like cayenne and lemon juice and honey just to calm the vocal folds, bring that inflammation down would be really helpful. Um, Even making your own little tea, you know, with a tea bag or even just warm water with honey. And um, I mean, I guess according to Charles Spurgeon, a little cayenne and apple cider vinegar. So I love that. Um, And then as far as water goes, you know, going back to the anatomy. So our vocal folds are muscle tissue. And just like any other muscle, water and hydration are vastly important for their health. So if you think about it that way, if you're dehydrated, so are your vocal folds and they aren't as um, able to work like they're supposed to. And so that will probably create some stress on them and put them in a position that, you know, might cause some damage. Um, I've heard, you know, different numbers, but I kind of go by like if you take your weight uh, in pounds and then half that, whatever that is in ounces, that's a good target number so of ounces to drink a day. So, you know, that's somewhere to start. I know some people don't really drink any water intentionally. So if that's a good place for you to start, that would be great. And just keep in mind, too, that there are other drinks that can be dehydrating. So things like coffee, which I love and you love, Dad. Those are um, very dehydrating. So I like to encourage people, if you had a cup of coffee, Maybe drink a glass of water to, you know, make up for that um, dehydration. But that is so important um, just for that vocal hold health, vocal fold health is to have that hydration. Elena, you've said that there are ways that as pastors, we can actually damage our voices. And what are some ways that can happen, especially in ministry and church life? And how can we prevent that? There are a couple of different things that could happen to your vocal folds that really would be serious damage. And um, a lot of the research and teaching in this area is very focused on um, people who speak all day, every day for a living. So a lot of the studies are conducted on teachers um, because vocal fold damage is so prevalent with teachers. And I just think as pastors, too. Um, not only are you speaking on Sunday, probably all day, multiple times, but throughout the week as well. Um, so I just think this is very important for pastors to kind of know. 
a little saying that the um, website for kind of the board over my field, Asha, says is anything that makes the vocal folds harder to vibrate can cause a voice problem. So that goes back to what we were talking about, about, okay, how does the voice actually work? So anything that's making those vocal folds work harder to vibrate, that could cause a problem. So what can happen is um, you could get a lesion on your vocal fold, and there are really three types of lesions that are common, but two that I think really apply to people who are speaking a lot. And the first one is called a nodule. Probably a lot of people have heard of these too. I feel like, you know, people do get these. Even Julie Andrews, you know, had a lot of vocal damage and really it can, I'm not trying to like scare anybody, but it can be really bad, you know, and you can really lose the ability to use your um, vocal, you know, instrument. So nodules are caused by overuse or misuse of the voice. And basically when your voice is used the wrong way, your vocal folds um, could swell up and then over time, the vocal folds um, get harder, almost like a callus. So if you see a picture of these, uh, a nodule almost looks like a callus on one side of your vocal fold. So a polyp is another type of lesion that is really common in people who uh, overuse or misuse their voice. And a polyp is a little bit different than a nodule. It can occur on both vocal folds, and they're a little bit larger than nodules, and they look more like blisters. And another interesting thing about polyps is it can happen from an extended, you know, repeated times of vocal misuse, or it can happen from one incident. So some people have developed polyps after like screaming at their kid's baseball game. So, it, you know, it's really like that one incident of misuse can cause this blister type uh, lesion on your vocal folds. And then what happens is it presents in vocal qualities that are not very, they don't feel good and they don't sound good. So now that our usually smooth edges of our vocal folds have a big callus or a blister on them, when they make contact and should be vibrating smoothly, it's not going to sound smooth. It will often sound really hoarse or raspy. It might sound breathy. Um, it sounds very strained. A lot of times it's really raspy. Like, you know, that's what I've seen a lot is it presents in raspiness. And then it can even, you know, really affect your vocal range of going high and low in the way you speak. And it does not feel good from what I've heard, too. So, um, the, oh, the other thing is vocal fatigue, too. You might feel like you have a lump in your throat, um, soreness from ear to ear. Those are just some of the indicators of what these might look like. And so, you know, it could be that some people are experiencing this and haven't really realized that's what it was, you know, um, or when you start feeling those little indicators of discomfort in your throat, um, you know, there are some ways we can protect our vocal folds so it doesn't get any worse, that damage. You mentioned the importance of amplification. And, uh, you know, most of us, when we're preaching in an auditorium, we probably have that. But uh, maybe in a classroom setting or some other group, we wouldn't necessarily use amplification. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yes. Yeah, so I was 
um, exposed to this practice and really the access to this when I worked in um, the public school system for three years doing speech and, um, you know, teachers, a lot of times they're teaching in a large classroom with, you know, they could be teaching 20 to 25 kids and the floors are hard. So you've got chairs screeching. And so they're trying to, you know, get their kids attention. And so they're having to really call out and putting strain on their voice. And so um, the county that I worked in was, it just made me so excited, but they were very focused on really giving teachers what they needed to project. And they would actually give teachers these microphones that they could wear around their neck to be amplified. And it's funny because a lot of the teachers at first were like, well, I don't need this. Like, I'm just in my classroom. But then after they started using it, they were like, oh, wow. You know, even just the way the kids could hear them without them having to just strain their their vocal folds, their throats. And um, it was something, too, not all teachers wanted to use it. But if they were sick, you know, they would um, they could request to use it. So anyways, I think that really helped me see firsthand how amazing that can be for the strain it has on people's voices. And so I was thinking about, you know, in a church setting, like, maybe it's not a Sunday morning service, but if it's a, a smaller group or a Sunday school class, um, I don't know. I, I think a lot of it is self-monitoring too. So maybe after teaching that class a couple times, you realize, oh, wow, after that class, my, I feel like I really strained my throat, you know, just kind of checking in with your body. If it felt like you were straining or had any tension at all, maybe look into using a microphone, you know, and I think too, it really helps you communicate effectively to your listeners because their ears aren't straining as much and then your vocal folds aren't straining as much. So it's a win-win situation. So I think just really thinking about in a situation where it's not obvious that you need to use a microphone, if it's available to you, um, I would just encourage you to do that. So you don't even have to go down that road of that tension and strain. It's true. We think, oh, I'm good with this. I can, you know, project or uh, don't have to worry about a sound system. But uh, there are times we should do so just to take care of our voices and to also communicate even more effectively in the situation. That's really helpful. Elena, in my homiletics classes, I encourage guys to warm up for speaking by doing mouth calisthenics. And I give them some examples of doing that. What do you think about that idea? Well, I think I want you to give some examples. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yes, that is great. And I was going to touch on that as well. It sounds like you might even know more about that part than me. Um, but again, back to our vocal folds being muscles. So when I don't know how many of you guys run marathons, but before you run a marathon or, you know, exercise or whatever, you're go going to warm up your muscles, right? And what that does is it increases blood flow, it increases range of motion, and it helps with the tension. So, you know, I think it's important when there's a lot of information like this to maybe have some just really attainable, practical goals you can take away from it. So I tried to think of just some really easy exercises and warm-ups that um, would really be something you can do. Um, and so I was thinking about, okay, well, let's go back to those four 
areas of how our voice happens. So the first one being um, respiration. So maybe on the way to church or to a speaking engagement, you take a moment and you breathe and you breathe deeply. You think about the way your posture is. You think about your lungs filling up with air. And I was telling you, Dad, you know, for those of you who have an Apple Watch, there's a little, the little Breathe app and it will even help you. It has a cool visual of like, here's the flower getting bigger as your lungs fill up. And, you know, that's really helpful for me to remember, but just bringing an awareness back to your breath. So then in the second area, maybe while you're in your car on your way to church, you take a moment and breathe. And then as we look at phonation, you know, warming up those vocal fold muscles. So if you're in the car with a lot of people, you might not want to do this, but, you know, a lot of singers do this. I remember mom doing this on the way to church. (laughs) She would, you know, she just no shame. But, you know, do something like that where you are just allowing your vocal folds to go up and down, high and low, so that they get that stretch. Because remember, our vocal folds are stretching and getting thinner as it goes high and low. Just do that a couple times. Um, hopefully, everybody knows what I mean, so I don't have to do a full-blown example. Um, and then as we look at um, resonance, when you do the M sound, this is getting a little nerdy again, but um, the M sound is a nasal sound. And so it every all your nasal cavity and oral cavity is kind of vibrating. And so doing a little warm up on the M sound. So mm, just feeling that resonance kind of opening up those cavities, warming up those um, um, warming up your mouth. And then the last one would be like an articulation exercise. So let's warm up our articulators. So you could do, you know, something like that or pa-pa-pa, ta-ta-ta, ka-ka-ka, ka 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 You know, anything like that where it's like, you know, we're going to warm up. We're going to let our articulators know we're about to talk and to be ready. Um, if you can only do one, though, I would focus on those vocal folds, you know, just getting that blood flow to your vocal folds. Um well, okay, do two. And then the other one would be that breath support because that's really where, what it all goes back to. So to focus on that. And then I wanted, I forgot to mention this earlier, but, um, you know, with preventing that damage, this is so funny. I remember learning this in grad or undergrad and thinking, oh, I had no idea. So something to think about is when you are sick, you know, maybe you're, you're all gung ho after listening to this podcast. And so you're going to, take care of your vocal folds when you're sick. And so maybe you're about to lose your voice. And so you start whispering. I have bad news for you. Whispering is actually really bad. Maybe you already know that, but really bad for your vocal folds. And what's happening is your vocal folds experience hypertension when you're whispering. And so they're like squeezing together and it causes more trauma to them. So if you are trying to protect your vocal folds if you're starting to get sick or even just have talked a lot all day I would encourage you to rest um, have vocal rest even if you can for half of a day or a whole day Um, and then the other thing would be if you have to speak just speak quietly so it's your normal speaking voice but a little bit more quietly but not dropping to that whisper and um, your vocal folds will thank you for that (laughs) You asked about uh, examples of, of what I suggest. One of the 
um, ways that I, I encourage guys to warm up is to use from the Pirates of Penzance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the uh, I am the very model of a modern major general. <laughs> so it's basically about a half of a page of tongue twisters. And it just forces you to articulate, you know, and get those mouth muscles moving. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's one of the things that we do. So great, great advice. Thank you, Elena, very much. Uh, I, I hear this. I probably do this sometimes. But when I hear it, I kind of cringe. And, and also, I think it affects uh, the, the, the way that people receive communication. Sometimes a speaker will, at the end of a sentence, or maybe they're just looking down at their notes, and they kind of go into this throat voice. And it gets quiet, and, and it doesn't project. And you even mentioned that it could be harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk about that and, and just help us understand maybe uh, how to overcome that a little bit and, and maybe why we should avoid that, that throat voice effect? Sure. Um, you know, I think it, again, goes back to that breath support. And so if we're bringing it back to breath support, thinking about our posture, you know, so having our head up when we speak so that we're not um, kind of crunching our throat over. And then also, you know, I, I'm i guilty of this. It's It's actually called glottal fry, um, vocal fry. And it's you know, I was telling you earlier, it's it's funny. It's kind of a thing right now. And I can speak to this because I feel like a lot of people my age speak like this. And I'm sure even in this interview, I have done it. And it's kind of at the end of a sentence, I go down and I kind of talk like this. And it's just, it's just a kind of a habit. You know, even if you're not, you know, bending over or something, it's just like a uh, it's almost like for me, it's a way I'm cueing like, okay, my sentence is about to be over so that you can start thinking about what you're going to say. I don't know. It's so weird, but I just, it's very easy to fall into that. And um, it's called glottal fry. The glottis is actually the open space between your vocal folds when they're open. And so when you're doing that, it's just another way to bang your vocal folds together, you know, in a rough way. And so just again, kind of a lot of it, I think, does go back to self-monitoring to maybe think about. It's probably hard, though, because like you said, pastors are so focused on the content and preparing their message. And so, you know, I'm sure it's hard to then also think about the quality of your voice. And so even if it's just something that um, I don't know if, you know, some of you as pastors have your messages recorded, like maybe every once in a while, like listen to it or watch it and, and try to go through and think about, okay, how's my vocal quality? Is there a way, are there any habits I have that could be damaging my vocal folds or maybe some habits that are distracting and so are um, preventing me from communicating effectively? And I know that's really hard to do, to like listen to yourself. I'm sure I don't, I don't know if I want to listen to this podcast. (laughs) I probably should. Um, But just that self-monitoring for the the vocal fry and just voice. See, I just did it then. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, Just the quality of your voice. Great, Elena. Thank you so much. Is there anything else um, that you'd just like to give us some advice on or encourage us about so that we can use our voices and protect them uh, so that we can uh, have a long-term ministry of of preaching and of impacting people with the voices God has given to us? I think 
in preparing for this interview too, I was just thinking about different speakers and pastors I've heard um, in my life. I've heard a lot (laughs) growing up in a Christian family, going to camp and going to a Christian college, hearing lots of speakers every day in chapel and things like that. And, um, you know, even a pastor friend of ours who has had major vocal damage and it's really affected his ministry. And so I think it's easy to maybe dismiss something like this or maybe a topic that it's it's not very tangible until you're dealing with um, the damage, you know, because a lot of the things you're doing are prevention. They're not treatment. Um, and hopefully nobody listening to this will have to get to that point where they're, you know, getting treatment or surgery for vocal fold damage. But I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not um, selfish for you to take a moment, you know, to take care of this instrument that God has given you. And even just, you know, when I was in anatomy and physiology for voice, it just, it really is mind blowing how God has created our bodies and our voices and everybody's is a little bit different. And just the way that people can communicate and what a difference that makes when you are sharing the word um, for people to want to listen and to be able to connect and understand what you're saying. And so I don't know, I I guess I would just encourage you to, um, like I said earlier, it can be a lot of new information maybe for some of you. And so as you process it, maybe just Pick like two or three things. You know what? The next month, I think I'll try to do this. Um, I remember, Dad, you would try to keep a cup of water or like a little bottle of water um, at the podium. And I've tried that before when I was public speaking. And when you are taking a sip of water, you feel like it's five minutes long of awkward silence and everybody's waiting for your next word. But nobody cares. So just do it. Just bring that cup of water up there. Everybody's going to be, you know, grateful that their pastor is taking care of their voice, you know, just little things like that. Even hydrate um, during your message if you can. Um, Take a couple of these exercises that you want to try, things like that. Um, And another thing, you know, just a little practical tip. I am bouncing around a little bit, but I forgot to mention this earlier. I know for people who do speak a lot, um, Especially with nerves, for some reason, I experience this when I'm nervous. It's like I all of a sudden have a frog in my throat and I can't get it out. And so it's really easy to want to clear your throat because that makes it feel better or even cough. Um, But if you think about it, and maybe you can even feel it when you do it, but that is pretty harsh on your vocal folds to clear your throat. Um, They're banging together when you do it. And so, again, if you are feeling that before you go up to speak, just try to take a little sip of water, you know, suck on a um, lozenge or something. And um, I told my dad earlier, I'm going to talk about the sniff and swallow. It's gross. But if you need to, if you don't have water and you don't have a cough drop, you can just sniff and swallow and it will coat your throat and it'll feel really good. (laughs) So you don't have to clear your throat, you know. Um, And again, I know it's a lot, but uh, my husband, Ethan, and I, um, the last couple years, we have just really, um, I don't know, just really benefited from the pastors and teachers in our lives. And so I think just 
encouraging each of you that what you're doing is making a difference and it's important. And um, it's so important that you take care of what God has given you so that you're able to carry out really what he's called you to um, as you, you know, teach and shepherd your flocks, basically. Perfect. All right. So there's a takeaway. Sniff and swallow. <laughs> All right. Uh, you kind of led into this, Elena, and I want to to broaden this out a little bit and um, and just talk about how preaching impacts people and ask for your perspective for us as pastors or for my pastor friends. So you're, you're 28, you're married, you have a 10-month-old baby, our sweet little grandson, Foster, and uh, you love God. You want to live your life to honor Jesus, and you and your husband are connected with church family and and I've heard you talk about your pastor and how his messages help you. And and so what would you say helps you with uh in, in preaching? What what is the kind of preaching that helps you grow? What would you share with, with pastors that might just encourage them or, or give them some guidance in the kind of preaching ministry that they have with, with people like you? This is hard. I feel like I could go a million different directions here. Um but yeah, we have really been grateful for our church family, and we have kind of moved a little bit around different areas of Atlanta, and when we got pregnant um, about a year and a half, almost two years ago, we decided to buy a house and kind of really figure out which area we want to settle down in, because Atlanta is so big, and um really needed to find a new church family just for location, you know, and it was interesting because we have had, I don't know, just, I mean, life happens, you know, and I think we were just so ready um, to be a part of a church body where, um, I don't know, we just felt like we were in a place where we needed to be fed for a little while, fed and led, and um, obviously also wanted to serve, but I think we were just like a little fragile at the time. <laughs> And I remember, you know, finding a church can just be so overwhelming. And especially in the South, it's like, well, which 300 should we visit <laughs> this weekend? And I just prayed and, you know, kind of um, asked the Lord and his kindness to just bring us a church family quickly. Because we, at the beginning of our marriage, we, it took us a very long time to find a church, just months and months. And that can be so discouraging. And I know a few of my friends are going through that right now. And, um, it was just so neat. It was the second church we visited and we just were like, yeah, this is home. This is where we want to raise our baby. And so, you know, thinking about, okay, what is it about the preaching, um, that really is so effective? And, um, I think it's a few different things, but I know for us right now, and I don't know, in this day and age, I just, the world is so loud and, kind of the messages that I hear every day are so loud. And I think I really wanted um, and needed a place where the pastor and um, other people in the church were ready to kind of dig into um, just current issues in a biblical way. And um, just working through things in our own hearts of like, well, what what does the Bible say about this? And it can be really overwhelming. And um, I do appreciate that my pastor is willing to tackle these, you know, difficult issues in a way that is so spirit led. And 
I think that was important for us right now. Um, and so I guess that's something just, all right, let's really talk about like, what are people dealing with right now in 2020? And let's talk about it and let's see what the Bible says about it. And, you know, and then live it out. Um, I think another thing too is, uh, you can just tell in, we have actually a couple of different people who teach at our church. So our uh, main pastor does, and there are a couple other teachers and, um, I, nobody's perfect. Like, I don't want to talk about my church, like it's perfect, but just really sensing, um, following the spirits leading. And I've heard that phrase all my life. And sometimes it's hard to like, what does that really mean? <laughs> you know? Um, but I think there have been times even when, our pastor maybe was dealing with a difficult topic and, and, you know, I'm thinking specifically he was preaching a message about women in the church. And I mean, that's a hot topic right now. And and that's hard. Like that's hard to work through. And I appreciate the, you know, church's understanding that that's important right now um, to really figure out what the Bible says about that. But I remember he, I guess a couple women came to him after and, and said, you know, the way you said this, it, it was kind of hard. I'm trying to understand it. I think he just realized that maybe he said some things insensitively and he apologized for it. And it, it just was really interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't to make sure people were happy. It's not like he's afraid to offend people, but just that humility and, you know, really spirit led, um, interaction with people and, and as he preaches. So, I don't know if that really makes sense, but I think just, I know this is kind of a buzzword right now too, but just that transparency and openness of, um, you know, I'm your pastor. God has called me to lead this, but also I'm a person and, you know, kind of growing with, uh, the church members has just been really neat. And, um, so yeah, I did, you know, kind of all over the place, but hopefully that helps. Great. It really does. Well, this has been fun, and I also know it's going to be helpful. So thank you for taking part of your weekend here with us to talk to my pastor friends here on Shepherdology. You're welcome. <laughs> As you can tell, Elena and I had a good time together in this father-daughter chat. I trust the information that Elena shared will help you and that you will take seriously the importance of taking care of your voice so you can minister the word as long as you can. And I'll make Spurgeon's wish mine for you today. May your voice last until you have nothing more to say. God bless you, my friend. Let's get together again, and we'll talk shepherdology.